ECU 33 and BYU 17 is our final score. Let's take a look at our Ken Garf keys to the game. Brought to you by Ken Garf, Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen. Here's Proud the... supporters of BYU and the Cougar community. We hear Cougs. Mark, what were your keys to the game for tonight? Here's the Ken Garf keys to the game. Come to play. Ready to compete. It's game day. Uh, play the keep away. You know, that's the thing they tried to do. Keep those drives alive. End with points. Defense gets stopped. And, and they did. They got the defense, got the fumble recovery. BYU got the early touchdown, and everything was working according to plan. Score first, score last, score in between. And that part didn't happen. And so, uh, yeah, the BYU just didn't get enough points on the board. They got the start they needed. And uh, certainly, same story. They drive for 25 yards. They drive for 35 yards. They just don't uh, keep drives going. The heartbroken Cougs do gather as a team near the BYU supporters section to uh, sing the fight song with the Cougar fans. That's good to see, but uh, tonight's end result, not so good to see. 33-17 in ECU's favor. I I think there were a couple of key instances. One comes late in the first half. BYU gets inside the five and decides to go wildcat with Kofensis for a couple of plays. Ball stays unthrown, and a touchdown goes unscored. They went ground-ground and didn't get enough. Ended up kicking a field goal, which they planned to do as they ran it down to one second. Mm-hmm. And uh, that and was the, just enough to keep them hanging. And then, and then in the third quarter, Mark, I believe, first drive. where we thought it was four-down territory, instead, they, they on the third and six, I don't think make yards, try to kick a 42-yard field goal, missed, and that just changed the whole feel of the game at that point. First Didn't possession. get points when they need to have points. We were thinking touchdown, and they miss even a field goal. And really, going forward, BYU has to remedy the kicking situation but it's just it's just been too mediocre for too long they don't have a long kicker they don't score from outside of 40 yards they're accurate enough on the shorter field goals but you need to count on points when you get to the 25 and BYU hasn't been able to for years and they haven't had a 50 yard field goal in 11 years and as much as you appreciate in close accuracy field goal kicking has to be a weapon at some point and they've got to find a ton of guys to compete for a job that has been done in a very adequate fashion, but only adequate for too long, I think. And that field goal miss was crucial when it came. And you look at 33-17, you go, what does a field goal mean? But at that time, you needed yeah. something on that drive. And to get, not get anything there on a makeable field goal hurt at that point. The, the Mangum pick, which sets up the final uh, ECU touchdowns, really the, uh, the backbreaker. And uh, for all that said... Mangum went on to throw so many times tonight where you go, that's your guy. That's the old Tanner Mangum. But for every great throw, the throws that you you think he can make and needs to make went uncompleted and at really important times in the game. And really the tale of the season is inconsistency on offense, and that's that's how you get 17 points against the team allowing an average of 50. Postgame stats, more of them. 421 yards for BYU to 413 for ECU. And that tells the tale. BYU got more yards. BYU ended up running more plays, but not to enough effect tonight in a 33-17 setback. BYU had its best passing day against an FBS team in the Kalani Satake era. 319 yards. But clearly, the game plan until it was out of reach, Mark, was conservative. Very conservative. Absolutely. Uh, Don't screw up. Keep the drive going. Try and get some points. And uh, we'll let the defense keep them out. And that, yeah, that wasn't, uh, I don't know. I think they, they might have come out with a little more aggressive offensive attack. I think Mangum was at the break, what, 9 for 12? Maybe passing at halftime? I half think time? you were right, 9 for 12, yeah. But so for he, like he threw 50 yards times, or something. He threw 12 times in the first half, and he threw 29 times in the second half. And now you say, well, that's game script. You're behind, so you're going to throw more. Yeah. But 
again, going into this game, we said this is a game that you throw because you can throw against DCU because everyone's thrown against DCU and everyone's packed, tacked, packed up the passing yards against DCU at a high efficiency. BYU was more conservative, and when it mattered most, went Kofensis Wildcat for nothing but three points at the end of the first half. And then, uh, again, what we thought might have been four-down territory, a missed field goal on that drive. And just, again, it's just that feel that it was kind of a, a piece-mealy type approach until it was out of hand. And then you saw Tanner Mangum do what we think Tanner Mangum can do, has been able to do historically, and look good at times tonight, certainly. So anyway, final score is a 33-17. The final stats we'll give you are third downs, uh, ECU 4 of 12 and BYU 6 of 15. So the Cougars won the third down battle tonight. And they may have won uh, the field position. The field position. Uh, the average Except for the intercept. That might have no. killed it. Yeah, and so BYU is minus two in field position tonight on the night. So ECU uh, plus two in that particular category. Turnover margin was even. And so of those key three categories, one was won, one was lost, and one was even uh, tonight. Uh, fourth downs, BYU 0 for 2, ECU 1 for 1. Total plays, BYU did snap 72, 15 more than average. Of course, many of them came late when they were trying to hurry it up and get it downfield, and it did so to, uh, to some success. Uh, in the red zone tonight, 3 of 4 for BYU, 4 of 4 for ECU. Possession time goes to BYU plus 7 minutes, and that's where you get the more plays run, but just not to enough effect as yards per play goes to ECU by more than half a yard per play tonight. Tanner Mangum, 26 of 41 for 319, two touchdowns and a pick. That feels more like a BYU football game. Yeah. Pass, a passer rating of 140. It's a little misleading, but yet showed. Maybe had they had a little more uh, aggressive game plan, you could have seen uh, a little more happen in the first half. And, and again, running was the plan, and they were doing it to some uh, moderate success. But only when things were out of hand did BYU really open it up. And we have to be fair, Mark. I think you made the point that the ECU's defense did change once the league got pretty They big. did. They played that uh, zone under. They played a lot of man, though, then. BYU did a good job against man. You saw um, Hefo catch the two balls across the middle against man cover. And the same thing with uh, Bushman in the end zone. That was a man cover. So they had some success throwing against the man-to-man uh, when it was still, you know, a situation where the receiver had to beat the defender. Tanner Mangum, uh, 26 of 41, 319, two touchdowns and a pick. At Ula Tolu Tau at 15 carries for 62, only ran five times in the second half. And Oliva Hifo was the revelation on, on offense tonight. Nine carry, uh, nine receptions for 148 yards along with 46. BYU's first 100-yard passing uh, receiving game, thank your pardon, since uh, Mitch Matthews back in 2015. 33-17, ECU over BYU is our final. And we'll come back with much more post-game coverage. Terry South will be in the scoreboard studio. And then live player and coach comments from here in Greenville on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The clock has hit zero. And this one is in the books. It's time for Cougar Postum Postgame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Postum Postgame Live. Postum, there's a reason. Postgame coverage is also brought to you by Provo Land Title. In 1966, we started with a simple goal, service. 50 years later, that goal is now a tradition. And by America First Credit Union, Utah's number one credit union and your winning financial team. Now, let's join your host, Jason Shepard. Welcome to Cougar Post and Post Game Live. My name is Terry South. Disappointing loss for BYU tonight as ECU beats the Cougars 33-17. The Cougars fall to 1-7 and on the season. BYU with a seven-game losing streak for the first time since 1968. Tanner Mangum, 26-41, 319 yards passing and two touchdowns. Much of that coming in the second half 
as they uh, opened up the offense after it might have been a little too late for the Cougars to do anything about it. BYU finished with 102 yards rushing as a team. The BYU defense allowed 298 yard pa- yards passing with 115 yards rushing by ECU. Postum has been the perfect family drink for more than 120 years. There's a reason Postum creates a warm memories. Learn more at postum.com. Coming up, we'll update you on the day in college football. Cougar Postum postgame live continues next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Get to some score updates here. Uh, games in progress, number two ranked Penn State, 41 13 over number 19 Michigan. Number 13 Notre Dame leads number 11 USC 49 14. Uh, Number 21 Auburn 52 13 over Arkansas. Undefeated fourth ranked TCU with a 43 0 lead on Kansas. Number 16 South Florida leads Tulane 34 21. And number 23 West Virginia 31 13 over Baylor. Uh, Game's gone final so far this evening and today. Number one, Alabama, all over Tennessee, 45-7. Number five, Wisconsin, 38-13 over Maryland. And number eight, eight, Miami stays undefeated, 20 with a 27-19 win uh, against Syracuse. Number nine, Oklahoma holds off Kansas State, 42-35. A final in overtime, number 10, Oklahoma State over Texas, 13-10. Number 14, Virginia Tech with a blowout of North Carolina, 59-7. Number 16, Florida, uh, South Florida stops Tulane 34-21. Number 18, Michigan State gets over Indiana 17-9. Number 20, UCF improves to 6-0 on the season, outscoring Navy 31-21. And number 24, LSU with a 40-28 win over Ole Miss. Scores of local interest, Weber State uh, leads Cal Poly in the third, uh, 8-3. Utah State 52-28 over UNLV. Southern Utah knocks off Eastern Washington 46 to 28 and Arizona Arizona State beats Utah 30 to 10. Postum has been the perfect family drink for more than 120 years. There's a reason Postum creates warm memories. Learn more at postum.com. We'll have more of Cougar Postum postgame live coming up after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Cougar Post and Post Game Live. My name is Terry South. BYU falls to ECU 33-17, dropping to 1-7 and seven on the season. And other BYU sports today, earlier number 8 BYU women's volleyball played LMU in Los Angeles. The BYU women dropped the first two sets but rallied to win 3-2. We'll update you on the score on the south field as BYU women's soccer uh, they host LMU this evening. Currently the score is 0-0 in the 76th minute. As that game continues this evening, that game can be heard over on ESPN 960. That's going to do it for Cougar Post and Post Game Live. Your final score, uh, ECU beats BYU 33-17. The Cougar Locker Room Show is next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to post-game coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with the Cougar Locker Room Show. He's going to go! Touchdown! Let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Broadcast booth and join Mark Lyons along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Back in Greenville, ECU 33, BYU 17. Coach Kalani Satake is talking to the media. Let's start the Cougar locker room show by hearing from the coach. We're always assessing what would be the best thing for us. And uh, going back to square one, I think right now, being able to review and evaluate our guys at, at all the positions are kind of open on what we got to focus on for the future and also uh, how we can honor these seniors with these last games and 
we have to, we have to just give ourselves a better chance to win. And that I don't, I can't blame it all on the on the quarterback and blame on one position. But uh, you know, a lot a lot of it has to do with us coaches, and we need to we need to figure out the, whether it's personnel or scheme. We have to figure out what's the best thing for us on all three phases. Defense was uh, bending, not breaking, and then the, in the second half, the floodgates kind of opened up. What happened there? Well, I think they started attacking. We played a little bit man coverage uh, tonight, and they started attacking the man coverage with back shoulder throw. And uh, there were a couple of drives where, uh, you know, one drive was a 30, 30 yards of penalties. We on one play is a pi and then a late hit, you know. And so um, we got to be more disciplined, and that's my job as a coach to teach our guys to be disciplined, especially in those moments. And I think when you play that type of coverage that we play, you get you get a little bit grabby, and, and uh, you know, you get some mistakes here and there. But the guys played hard. We just uh, wasn't good enough, and, and uh, you know, I think that defensively we're stretching a little bit and trying to create create turnovers, create plays, and they made some good. They made some good. I mean, the guy caught, I believe, it was a one-handed catch on the end zone, you know, and they made some good plays in man coverage, and then uh, we couldn't adjust. There at the end of the game, you mentioned the offense started to pick things up. Did you feel like that was more of ECU changing their defense, or BYU kind of opening up the playbook a little bit? Probably to watch more film, but I think they went a little softer in coverage, you know, and um, knew that we were behind in, in the score and had to get some points. And so I think they softened up the coverage a little bit, which probably opened up some of the throwing lanes. But um, you know, we, we had. I'm more concerned with the opportunity. We left some points out there, whether it's a, you know, we we. We ran out of downs in the in, within the 10-yard line that we missed the field goal, and that's 10 points right there. So it changes the game a little bit, you know. So um, I just have to go and re- evaluate it. As a head coach, I have to go and review everything and, and see what's the best thing that we, could do, we can do to honor these seniors and, and make sure that we set them right and then focus on, you know, on what we're trying to do for the future. What, what was your message in the locker room? You said you're kind of getting familiar with this well just staying together that's been our, our thing is just our team is our, our players have been great and leadership has been great and uh just staying united as a group that's what we're focused on and you know we obviously know that we're we're uh we have five games left now and and uh, feel bad for the seniors you know but uh we we have to honor them in the way that we play the rest of the season and you know we get to go home and and, and uh, try to get one against san jose state and that's our focus right now and just trying to figure out a way to get a win for these seniors. What did you think of the physical nature of the way your team played tonight? I mean, I thought we had some good moments, but I, it wasn't good enough. You know, up front, D-line and O-line, uh, that's always been our, our strength and uh, that we thought we could have and didn't work as, as dominating as I, I thought it would be tonight. Offense threw, offense threw for over 300 yards tonight. Uh, Tanner looked really good at times, had the costly interception. What was your overall assessment of Tanner? Yeah, I have to watch the film. I mean, I'm not really worried about yards. I want points, you know. And so, um, you know, we just need, we need more production on the point on the scoreboard. That's 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 how you win games. Not about how many yards you get. And it's about finishing drives in the end zone. You guys get kind of conservative. Do you think that's for the early season? You had so many turnovers that you're almost Tanner maybe in the offense just doesn't want to take chances just because of what happened to you guys early in the season. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. You mean with the play calling, conservative wise? Yeah, or? and the short passes, kind of, and uh, going for the field goal down there at the end of the half. You know. Yeah, well, it's third and one, and I thought it was a good opportunity to just tie the score up. Going the, end. I mean, we've we've been in position where we haven't, where we were down at halftime. I thought thought it'd be good to go up, square it up, and um, obviously, you know, we we need to get punched that in the end zone, but. 
ran out a little bit of time and, and uh, you know, just didn't convert on that third down. So uh, I'm going to take necessary risks, but, um, you know, that one I thought was a smart move where we just kicked the field goal. And the other times I'm not sure what – you'd have to be more specific on, on the conservative part of everything. You know, I, I thought we played – Pretty good. I just didn't think we kept the sticks moving and it wasn't good enough. I mean, I, I, if I were to look at the stat sheet, I think it's pretty even. Um, the difference was we didn't get points on the scoreboard and they made field goals. So. Anything else? You guys All right, guys. Thank you. Have a safe trip home. All right, that's uh, Kalani Sitake. Let's, uh, Mark, let's recap the scoring of how we got to 33-17. Kalani just talked about to kick in the field goal to tie the game at half. We were tied 10-10 of the break, right? That's right. Uh, Michael Simon caught a touchdown pass, and their quarterback Thomas Sick ran in for a Sirk ran in for a touchdown, and then BYU got a field goal, and so did East Carolina 10-10 at half. And then East Carolina came out in the third quarter and ended up with three field goals. Jake uh, Verity kicked a 42-yarder, 32-yarder, and a 33-yarder. That gave them that 19-10 lead. In the fourth quarter. Boy, oh boy, Trevon Brown made a terrific catch on a 26-yard pass from uh, Gardner Menshaw. It was a 67-yard drive. PAT was good by Jake Verity. That put him up 26-10. to 10. That's that 16 points that we were talking about that BYU wanted to try and get back from and uh, ended up not being able to score to bring it within eight if they would made the two-pointer. And then the killer was the 625 to go. Quay Johnson caught a nine-yard TD pass from Gardner Menshaw. And the PAT was good. That put them up 33-10. to 10. But a significant thing occurred in BYU's final drive for a score. And uh, let's go ahead and listen. BYU got it down to the 9-yard line. I think it was the 9-yard line and ran this play. Third and goal from the 12. Tanner Bangham in the shotgun. Well, on a three-step to the 20-yard line. Steps up, fires, end zone. It is caught! Wow! Matt Bushman reaches out, makes a nice catch for a touchdown. What a catch. Matt's first touchdown catch as a Cougar. And BYU makes it 33-16 to with 3.48 to go. 12-yard uh, catch. That was a 73-yard drive. PAT was good by Red Allman. But the reason that, that was a significant drive, Greg, is that they had a penalty on that possession and BYU was able to score after getting a penalty in that particular First drive. time this year they've scored a touchdown on a drive featuring an offensive penalty. So there was that. There yeah. were a few things like that tonight. Yeah. All right, let's uh, see what we should do here before the break. Uh, Nate Mickles, K.J. Hall is talking to the press. K.J. Hall. I felt really good. Um, my team definitely um, had the big part in my in whatever little success I had today. Um, they, they definitely deserve all the, all the praise. Can you put a finger on why the offense just can't get on track? You know, I, I'd have to go back and, and look at film, but um, you know, I think our effort there, our effort is there. Um, sometimes execution, but I mean, yeah, that's something I'd, I'd have to go to film and just look at personally. From what you saw in film during the week, were you surprised you weren't able to generate more points against this defense? You know, you you always um, are hopeful to come out and. Um, you know, put points on the board. Sometimes it just doesn't go your way. And today, you know, we were just a couple of plays away from putting a couple more touchdowns up there. So, yeah. What's, what's the morale like, the mood like in the locker room right now? You know, we're just we're staying together as a team, and um, we're going to move forward to next week to San Jose. Early in the game, Riley Bird had a carry, looked good, and then had the drop. Was it part of the game plan to get Riley more involved, or was that just kind of uh, early on that? that he was scripted and then not uh, trying to get him in the rest of the game? You know, 
as far as other players go, I, I really can't comment. I, I just know that, um, you know, we're all used to a, to um, where we could help the team. Um, and I think Riley did an excellent job when he was when he got carries and when he was in the game. So it seems like when you guys are behind, you start moving the ball better, like in that fourth quarter. What what's the difference? Is it the sense of urgency or the way the defense is playing? Why? You know. I think sense of urgency could be a good way to put it. Um, you know, when you're playing from behind, you do have a sense of urgency of, okay, like it's time to go, but um, I think that we really need to next week, you know, obviously kind of try to start the game out like that with urgency. I think we did well, though. I mean, it's like I said, a couple plays away from putting more, more points on the board. You guys passed for over 300 yards. Is that something you can kind of build on? the rest of the season? Absolutely. I think that we, we did a lot of things really good today. I just think we got in a tough spot where we couldn't really keep them off balance because we had to go more to the air, more more so than the ground, just because we were playing from behind for a little bit. But, you know, I think we're definitely going to build on that. Yeah. How did you feel personally tonight? It's been a while since you played and looked like you were healthy and feeling good. I mean, I feel good now. We'll see about tomorrow, though. I'm going to wake up pretty sore, so I feel good. You guys want to switch? Yeah, thanks. Okay. All right, that's uh, K.J. Hall. We'll take a break. Cougar locker room show continues. ECU 33, BYU 17, our final on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. KBYU FM, HD2, Provo. You're listening to Cougar Sports on BYU Radio. Micah Simon in the Cougar locker room area speaking to the press after ECU wins at 33-17. to We're going to continue to play our hearts out each game um, for these seniors and and just continue to to just just get a try to get a win each each and every week and then just try to build momentum for um, for next season for the guys that are coming back. What do you think of Oliva's performance today? Yeah, man, Oliva Oliva's a baller. Um, you know he. He, he he got his confidence, you know, going early, was catching a few balls early, and um, you know that showed that showed throughout the rest of the game. And um, yeah, you know, love that love that dude. He played his heart out. So um, yeah, he did, he did a great job. On that fourth down play here, uh, team was down 16, and uh, I think it was Jonah that Tanner threw it to. Were you in on that play? And, and if you were, what'd you see? And if not, what was your take on that player perspective on it? Uh, yeah, uh, I was I was out there. Uh, it was I mean, it was tough. It was like fourth and twenty two. Um, I think I'm talking about the one earlier where it was just uh, tra- fourth and four, just right here down by the goal line. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was in on that play too, though. Yeah, I mean they the uh, play call didn't work. Uh, we didn't we didn't get the look we thought we were gonna get. Um, they did a great job of of disguising on that on that last play and. Uh, you know, I, I guess the ball got battered down or something, but it was it was a tough look for that play. It seemed like to me it was a, the play that you'd run earlier in that drive, about midfield, and there was a lot of space. The DBs were off and, and ran the screen, and the offensive line was able to get that out there and block. But is that what you're referring to? The defense was up tighter than you'd expected on that? Yeah, um, yeah. Like like you said, the screen play worked earlier. Um, you know, midfield, we just had more space. The DBs weren't weren't pressed as much. Um, so yeah, on this. On uh, on that play in the goal line, you know it's just a condensed field, 
we thought we thought we would just get a man to man, but they uh, they kind of they kind of bracketed us on the outside. That uh, just had too many bodies to uh, for for what we were trying to get done. Thanks. All right, man. Appreciate it. All right, so we'll take a break. Cougar locker room show continues here in Greenville. Pirates 33, Cougar 17 on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Zane Anderson is talking to the media in the Cougar locker room area following tonight's game. Let's hear from Zane. I mean, it is what it is. I think um, beginning of the season, I, if we would have looked at 33 points, that's totally unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're a better defense than 33 points up there as a whole. Um, so we got to keep fighting, keep working. Backup quarterback comes in for ECU. He's come, his completion percentage is less than 50% on the year. In that moment, are you, are you kind of licking your chops, thinking like, hey, here we go, and, and then uh, yeah. how'd you see it? I mean, watching film on that dude, he, he can throw the ball up, but he's, he kind of looks at one dude, and, um, you know, we need to um, take advantage of that. And backup quarterback came in, he did a good job on us, so we need to contain, contain that. Did you look at the last five games uh, with the Buffalo season? How do you view, where do you go from here? How do you view this last stretch? Um, and as frustrating as it is, you know, you got to look deep inside and uh, find that kid that loves football. You know, I love going out there as a defense, no matter what the circumstances are, whether we're down or up. I love playing football, and I think everyone needs to look at do it like that. When uh, Troy went down early in the game, is that something that, uh, you know, you're concerned about? Or did you feel like, you know, t- defense just going to keep on moving? Or I guess in, I'm wondering in the back of your mind, are you concerned, you know, the starter's down? Right. You know, Troy's a stud. He's a bit, it's a big loss for us. But uh, someone needs to step up. That's the way it goes in this um, on this team. You know, if someone goes down, we need to step up. And I think we got some dudes that will step up. But having Troy, it really it hurt us. And Troy's a stud. All right. Thanks, Zane. St. Anderson, break time. Here in Greenville, ECU 33, BYU 17. The Pirates go to 2-6. and six. BYU falls to 1-7 and seven and are assured of a sub-500 regular season for the first time in 13 years. We're taking a break here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, back here at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, let's check in with Nate Mickle. Nate uh, says, I believe that uh, Aleva Hifo may be soon coming to the headset. Is that right, Nate? Yeah, they've gone to get Aleva. He should be here momentarily. Okay, so we'll wait uh, for Aleva. We'll also wait to uh, queue up the comments of Coach Scotty Montgomery. We'll be hearing from ECU's head coach. In fact, I think we can actually air those now until Aleva does join us. So Nate will tell us when Aleva's ready. But let's hear from Coach Montgomery from ECU, and then we'll uh, perhaps interrupt when Aleva's ready and get back to what uh, Coach Montgomery had to say. This is a few moments ago from down at the ECU locker room. Coach Scotty Montgomery. Uh, happy to stand in front of you after getting a, a big-time victory on homecoming. Everybody told me, talked to me about the winning streak that we have on homecoming. I was more concerned about our guys coming out prepared. We've practiced well in the past. I want to give a uh, just a just a huge shout out to uh, BYU. Uh, all the injuries they've gone through, everything that they've were able to do, they put they put us in some situations tonight physically that we were uh, we were outmatched a couple of times. But I thought the key to this game was our overall team speed. Uh, we got to continue to increase our team speed. It felt different than playing, uh, of course, an AAC game, uh, and they they. They gave us some hard times in our offensive front with their, just their size and their strength. Really well-coached football team. Uh, you know, coach has done a good, uh, really good job of getting these guys going. I'm, I was really, really proud of our guys. We've talked about discipline. Uh, I just kind of was watching our penalties as we went through the game. We got one penalty that was a defensive holding. 
and then another penalty of a false start. So we got that number down. We worked hard on it. Means a lot to me because that's what we're building on. Uh, and and just a, overall a great performance by uh, offense, defense, special teams, and how they uh, connect with each other. So really, really proud of, of some of these guys and, and all of these guys. And looking forward to getting to an open date with some momentum, uh, some confidence, and, and getting into the latter part of the year playing uh, good football. I thought we made great adjustments at halftime. There was a few things that we missed. Our defense didn't really give up very much at all. We we gave them a you know we turned the ball over right down there and gave them a little bit of the momentum. Uh, but it was really really good to come out of halftime. I challenged the guys. I said if we go out, score, stop, and score, we would we would dominate the the, the, the third and fourth quarter if we would go out and do that. And uh, that's exactly what our guys did. They went out, scored, stopped, scored, stopped again, another score. Uh, but the real, the real dagger uh, that our guys and the confidence boost that our guys got was the interception touchdown. Whenever that happens to a team, whether it happens early in the year or later in the year, the teams that I've been on, that brings the team together more than anything. When I go back into uh, our meeting uh, this week, uh, I'll, I'll link the stops with scores so that they can see each other working together. And also, I thought Quay Johnson did a good job in the second half of prohibiting the ball from getting down to the one and two yard line. And we adjusted with some two return looks at halftime because I was I was going nuts on coming off of the goal line all the time in the first half. So that adjustment really helped us. So you combine all those things together, and what you have is a unique and great team win for the Pirates. How, how big was that? The, the play that got reversed on Trayvon. Huge, that was a huge play. Thank goodness for instant replay. Uh, you know, but the biggest deal is that was a kid giving everything he had to get in the end zone. There's no way I'm going to coach him any different than that. So if I got guys trying to get in the end zone like that, now we want that ball security to be a little bit tighter, but the fight after the contact, man, I was, I was impressed with that. And, and when he got a chance to, to, to get back out there, uh, and go. It, it never bothered him. He's starting to get healthy all of a sudden, um, which is really good. Davon is starting to get really healthy all of a sudden, uh, and we're starting to get some guys back. This couple of weeks that we have here to get prepared to go play on the road will be really helpful for us. It's what I expect. I mean, anybody that's seen us practice or seen us work, they know who this team, the heart and soul of this team, uh, what, it, what, it all, what it all means to these kids to, to go out and compete every day. We- all right, that's uh, Scotty Montgomery, the head coach of the ECU Pirates. Let's head down to the Cougar locker room area where I think uh, Nate Mickle is putting the headset on Aleva Hifo. Aleva, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Aleva, thanks for joining us for a minute or two. We appreciate it. No problem. Uh, you had a, a huge game tonight uh, for BYU, a real breakout game for you personally, and nine carries, 148 yards. But it's not about numbers or yards. That said, Aleva, we found something that BYU could go to. You made nice plays. Tanner was slinging it around. Do you at least take something on which to build, being what happened to BYU's pass game late in the game tonight? Uh, I just saw an opportunity, and we all need to step up. And I, I know it was late in the fourth quarter, but someone had to do something in. I think our receivers did a good job of stepping up, and especially our offense as a whole. And Tanner just kept the composure, and he was just throwing the ball. He, he looked comfortable. It had been two years, almost two years, since a BYU receiver had a 100-yard game, and you were that guy tonight, uh, nine grabs for a buck 48. Uh, what were you seeing and what were you doing that allowed you and Tanner to become, become such an effective combination tonight? 
Uh, I just saw that Tanner became more comfortable after the first couple passes that he completed. I mean, he ended up looking my way a lot more, and uh, it just helped out. Uh, Ty is calling a good plays, and they were bailing, and we kept completing the short routes and getting some yards after catch, and that was good for us. Uh, Leva, I was wondering, uh, did it hurt you at all or cause you any trouble in the way they would change from their man to their zone to a different five-under zone? No, it's something that we've practiced all week, and we, we knew that they are going to switch off from man and zone, and we knew that we are going to be able to hit some, hit some holes late, and that's what we did, and I just wish we could hit earlier, though. Now, another part was uh, when they do see that zone, do you have uh, freedom to make your move inside or outside when you're going against that zone to look for that open area? Yeah, on certain routes, we have, I have the option to, to, to read and choose, and that's what we were doing on the last, on the last drive in the last fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I just wish it became more effective earlier in the game. Yeah. All right, so, so the goal of winning out goes by the wayside of Leva, but a strong finish is, is still, I guess, the objective, and there are seniors to play for, and these are the kind of things that come to the forefront, I guess, now, right? Yes, sir. The attitude of this team coming into tonight had to be one of, of, of confidence and the ability to win out, and, and, uh, and that's something that uh, I thought was a pretty good finish line to have. Now that that's not really there anymore, what, uh, what becomes the next motivational piece for you, do you think? We just have to keep playing. You know, we get another week every week. That's a good thing, and I think our offense has shown a little more. We've, you know, it's disappointing that we can come out with a win, but as long as we keep it going, we, could, we just got to get Tanner comfortable and just get our receivers, and our receivers have to do a lot better job of helping Tanner out. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you do get another opportunity every week, you know, to play another football game, and if you like playing football, your objective is to go out there and play the game to win, right? Oh, yeah, that's every week. I love it. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you. Okay, safe travels. Eleva Hifo, nine carries, one, uh, nine receptions, 148 yards, along of 46. He was targeted 11 times and came down with nine balls tonight. All right, that'll do it for the Cougar Locker Room Show. Coach Kalani Satake is coming up next on our Cougar Postgame Coaches Show, ECU 33. BYU 17 is our final score on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. He walks in for six. Touchdown, Cougars. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so back here in Greenville, North Carolina, ECU 33 and BYU 17 is our final score. You heard from Aleva Hifo a moment ago. Joining us one-on-one, you heard from BYU players and Coach Kalani Sitake speaking to the press. And you heard a little bit of ECU's coach, uh, Scotty Montgomery. Let's conclude Coach Montgomery's comments before putting the headset on Coach Sitake here in a few as we continue from Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Here is the ECU coach, Scotty Montgomery, once again. We, we never have a problem with competing here. I mean, these guys are, are true pirates. There's other things that we have to work through. Uh, the problems are not all fixed. But we're working every single day uh, to build, and, and that's what I want you know, kind of everybody to understand. Uh, I want it to happen as fast as it possibly can, can happen, but we're going to do it the right way. We are building. Uh, our kids believe. I thought it was the, the best thing. I, I saw a slogan earlier today, we believe, uh, and that was so positive you know, for our guys. I heard our guys saying, we believe, and that was brought about uh, you know, by our athletic department and our thank goodness for our Pirate Club and, and all of our fans. One thing I told our coaches when I went out there and I had my headset on, I said, nowhere in America can you be one and six, show up, and have the reception that we had out here in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. So you want to talk about fans, uh, there there's no question uh, of what we have here in Greenville and, and, and the eastern part of the state and throughout North Carolina. Uh, our Pirate fans are, 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 are the real deal. Well, 
Um, you know, I thought we were a lot more aggressive at corner, uh, which is something that I wanted to see us do. I wanted us to make plays on the ball and play the ball a lot, a lot more than just playing the man and letting the guy make plays on us. Um, our defensive front has done well for a while. They were really causing him some problems, moving him off the spot. This was a pocket passer that needed to be on the spot. And when they got him off the spot, some of the inaccurate throws were because he was off the spot. His lower, his lower body wasn't together in a lot of those throws, and it gave us the chance to, uh, to, to get off the field in some of those, those, uh, those times. But I also thought that we had a couple of guys out there that, that gave their body up to, to go make some tackles. Uh, those backs were not easy backs to tackle. Uh, we, we haven't seen a 250-pound back. I looked at him before the game. Uh, I was hoping that they, it was a misprint in the, in the media guy, and he's going to be around 230 or 225, but he was definitely 250. So I was really pleased with our guys, the way they gave up their bodies. we got a lot of guys banged up in this game, throwing it up in there, but we'll, we'll be fine. Absolutely. I was, I was, I'm not, you know, I was, I was upset once we had two or three field goals because I really thought that we had played pretty good between the 30s uh, and, and, and making some plays and we just didn't get it inside of the 20. I thought we had a good plan inside of the 15 yard line, especially with, uh, with Thomas in there that we didn't necessarily get to show. I really liked our one-on-one matchups where we were trying to freeze them at the line of scrimmage, and then we did get what we wanted with Trayvon, and we just didn't make the play down there in the end zone. So I wanted a lot more of that, that type of the game, but we just didn't, we didn't get it done down there. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was hard, uh, but the coach in me, not the player, the coach in me, we're going to continue to take those three points as many as we could because of the way our defense was playing. Coach, that was Thomas, sir. He was out. He had ice on the Yeah, hopefully he'll be okay. Uh, he, he just said he had more of a, a bruise or contusion on his elbow. Uh, and uh, we always ice all those guys down their shoulders. If you, you catch them after the game, we usually ice them down a lot. Uh, but, you know, hopefully a week and a half, two weeks of time to be able to get him back feeling well, he'll feel good. But, you know, Gardner came in and did a good job uh, and, and, and did exactly what we needed him to do. We hope Thomas is great. Thomas is a competitor, you know, right there. You know, right there in the third quarter, we were calling plays for Thomas, and he kept wiping us off. Like, you know, no, we didn't know he was hurt at the time. I don't think anyone knew he was hurt. And then on the third down, uh, very similar, we realized that he couldn't he couldn't throw the ball whatsoever uh, afterward when he came out, and uh, that's why we decided to go with Gardner. So hopefully uh, he'll be he'll be a lot better here quickly. Jimmy, is, Jimmy was dealing with a lot of kind of a lot of banged up kind of injuries, and we haven't been practicing him a lot. People know that. And then in the middle part of the week, he got um, he, he went and got um, pictures on his on his back, and he had a little bit of a back issue. And uh, we still thought there was a day to day chance every day that he was going to be able to come. And I asked him right before the game, and I was hopeful in the way that I asked him, "Can you go?" And he said, "Coach, do you need me to suit up?" And I and I said, "Can you play?" You know, I'm not putting you out there in harm's way. He's just like, Coach, I, there's no way I can go. Uh, so he's dealing with a little bit of a low back problem. Um, it is day-to-day. Uh, I was hoping that he would be able to play. I think everybody was real hopeful that he's been able to play. Um, but we, we weren't able to have him today. And, but nothing else is bothering. It's just his lower back now. It's been his ankle. It's been, his, you know, it's been all kind of shoulders. But he feels a lot better in all the other places. But it is his back now.
you've got a bunch of stops today on defense and then you turn around and score points. Talk about what that does for the defense convert. Yeah, you know, defensive stops are great, but when defense gets stops and they have to go back out there three plays later, they don't feel like they've gotten a stop. What they feel like is that they just went out over and got some water in the timeout and came back out and played. So it's critical that they see that when they do stop, the offense is going to score. It was crazy when I heard the defense came off. We didn't, it was 19 to, to, to 10, I believe, and they, we got a stop or something happened. And I heard the defense say to our offense, keep killing them, keep killing them. And my whole deal at that point in time was – they are killing us. We're scoring three points. But you can just see the mentality of a team. If, if you just get three points and six points and then nine points, then it's a very, very important feel, uh, feeling for the defense as it pertains to the offense going out and scoring. Coach, can you talk about uncovering what makes it A lot of things. Before, you know, before the game, of course, I'm, we, we're in a hotel all day today, right? Uh, I got back really late last night from recruiting, and as I was getting coming back in, I got like a million texts about we're in town, coach. So happy, great, you know, we're gonna have a great game tomorrow. This former players, um, alumni, just calling back. And then when I got to the hotel, uh, so many faces that I get a chance to see throughout the year, whether I'm on the road uh, and, or or we're just here, I got a chance to see a lot of people. But the energy that they brought to our kids when they saw them, the former players especially. Uh, they were all hugging our, our players. It was, it was like they were getting a chance to go out and play again with some of our players. It was good to have some of our former players uh, in the locker room uh, after the game, before the game, and just the feeling of everybody coming back home uh, and everybody being together. And despite uh, this or that, everybody pulling and serving our colors, like I said before, it, it was, it, this was just a great, great overall feeling for me. Um, but I, I, I tell you, I was as, as good as I felt here today was right before we kicked the ball off, not only because of the week of practice that we had, but just because of how our, our fan our fan base came out, even though everything that we've we've gone through, uh, I, I really respect it. I haven't had that you know anywhere that we've been before. Uh, that, that, that was truly special. Yeah, he, he's done a good job for us. Uh, I think he's a calming voice at times um, because it, he's helping us right now to, to make sure that our personnel, we're using enough personnel to get over our lack of personnel sometimes. Uh, we, we've had some, some banged up guys like Tim Irvin and guys that haven't played in certain roles, but uh, I think John is doing a good job of making sure that we play tank the right amount of snaps. Uh, and that our alignment is correct without me yelling up, screaming, you know, where's the Nichols alignment? Are we six and one? Are we one and six? John can just come over and say, Coach, this is where we are. This is the issue. Uh, great set of eyes. He's been really, really helpful for us. Um, and when he came in, uh, it's just a guy in the building that, that, that knows ball and, and also that, that I really trust and, and got a great love for all right, that's Scotty Montgomery, head coach of ECU. Kalani Sataki will be coming up next. ECU 33 and BYU 17, our final score. We'll head down to the Cougar locker room and to hear from the Cougars coach next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, so back here at Greenville, final score is a 33-17 ECU over BYU. Cougars head coach Kalani Satake now joining us from the Cougar locker room area. Uh, coach Satake, I appreciate you being with us. As always, we've heard some of your post-game comments to the reporters a few moments ago. Anything you would say to our audience that uh, differs too much from what you shared with everyone else? 
yeah, I mean, just still disappointed. You know, that's that's uh, I think that's a given. You know, but um, uh, just really have to um, evaluate everything again. And, and um, like I said before, plan for the future and, and um, make some some good decisions that will help us. But also, you know, be ready to play for the seniors these last five. We owe it to them. I mean. Fred Warner played his butt off, and, and um, it's sad that we won't be able to go to you know the postseason with with uh, this group of seniors. They deserve it, but um, this is you know we, we need to fix this, and this is on us coaches. Well, I am looking at the uh, NCAA postseason uh, eligibility guide, and uh, one of the second conditions is uh, is a regular season team that finishes with uh, six wins and seven losses that does go into the pool i thought you had to be at least 500 with six wins but the postseason eligibility guide does state that six and seven puts you in that pool of eligible teams and so there is a still a shot to kalani uh, you know two win outs and, and and i guess put yourself in that mix i, I was uh, presuming it had to be six plus 500 but they're saying at six and seven you could still be in that mix so i guess we could restate the goals in a way but either way uh, they're still you know hopefully a strong finish in you guys well i i mean i didn't know that so um you know but obviously you got to win two before you can worry about getting six but yeah. um the, the focus is still to f- find a way to, to play for these seniors and um you know whatever happens at the end it can happen we, we just uh, really disappointing and uh, we have a great great fan base that showed up again today and, and um, they were wonderful and so I, you know, I apologize for those people for, for, for uh, making the long trip a lot of them came from far away and uh, you know but our guys uh, played hard and, and um, as coaches we need to do a better job that's what it comes down to it appeared that the game plan was to run the football keep drives going score points use the clock keep it away from their offense was that pretty much it well, we wanted to gain some, gain, you know, just gain the, the a favorable matchup up front. We thought we could run the ball. A lot of a lot of people have run the ball on this defense. They've done a lot of things. They scored a lot of points on this defense, and we thought we could do some things up front. And um, you know, we just couldn't punch in, punch it in, or we couldn't convert. And it just seems like uh, we just couldn't get out of our own way on some of the some of the drives. And um, you know, that a lot of mistakes, and uh, that, just, that just can't happen. And so. Um, when we got from when we got behind, we had to air it out a little bit, and they played some soft coverage, and so uh, a little misleading in, in the yards that we gained, and a lot of it came, you know, on, on some time where they were actually playing cover, uh, playing softer in the coverage, and our guys did a great job uh, protecting as much as they could our old line, and, and it, it gave Tanner some time to throw the ball downfield, but just was not good enough, and way too far, uh, way too far behind in order to take advantage of those yards that we got but if you look at the the matchup and the the stats is pretty even the only problem is the scoreboard didn't show it and um uh you have to look at those missed opportunities in in the red zone that we had i believe we went for we got you know we had had the ball on the five yard line on fourth down couldn't convert uh, i can't remember what the play was but couldn't convert there and then we couldn't uh then we missed the field goal you know and um just a 10-point difference, and then and, uh, it'd probably be a little bit better without the turnover that we had, the pick, and uh, just just a, a lot of stuff that you wish you could you could correct. But these are things that we need to get fixed as a coaching staff, and um, yeah, that's what it comes down to. On that sequence you were talking about, uh, second and six from the seven, uh, you go wildcat defenses runs for a few, and then he hands off to Ula for a loss, and then you end up kicking the field goal right before halftime. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, probably, I mean, looking at it, we, we, we thought that uh, they were kind of gassed up front. We were pushing the line of scrimmage really well, you know, and they made a, a good play on third, and I believe it's third and one that we had to to get that yard for first, you know, but it just thought we could punch it in and uh, just didn't work out well. So had to go back and look at the film, but I, I just didn't want to go for it on fourth down. I thought we had, I mentioned it in the post game thing, I just thought, uh, going into the into halftime, tied up at ten would be better than possibly. I mean, just after third and one and getting stuffed, possibly not not getting it. And I just, I guess that's from you know the season being down at halftime. It's not a good feeling. It felt better being yeah. tied up. And so going in there was with a little bit of momentum and um, hoping we can get a stop and gain gain. I mean, we feel still felt good up up front on O line and D line. And and uh, unfortunately, the second half didn't tell how how we how I planned and how we as coaches thought it was going to play, play out. There were still uh, challenges in the past game. You know, there were excellent throws and uh, terrific catches, and uh, the past game seemed to click, but there's still a few of those where on those option routes, the quarterback and the receiver just aren't on the same page. Yeah, and there's still too many uh, incompletions, and a lot of them, you're right, a lot of them were really not contested. They're just more bad, bad uh um, bad on our part on offense, you know, so um, I mean, I, I, I can't remember all the plays, but there's a, a good number of them where there was a disconnect and, and uh, we're midseason. That should not yeah. be happening at all. And um, Whatever the reason is, we have to fix it if we're going to have a chance to win. We'll take a break. We'll get closing comments from Kalani after this. Uh, BYU falls to ECU tonight, 33-17 on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be a part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions at Greg Rubel using the hashtag BYUCNN. Now, let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling broadcast booth and join Mark Lyons along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. We're closing out our Cougar postgame coaches show with Kalani Sitake down at the Cougar locker room. Uh, Kalani, not to, uh, to beat a dead horse, and you'll have to win, again, one or two before you win six. But I just wanted to recap on the bowl eligibility thing just because it is a regulation. And I just wanted to let our listeners and you be aware at the same time what I'm looking at, just so you can state it properly to whoever asks. And the first eligibility thing is, is an eligible team is defined as one that has won a number of games against FBS opponents that is equal to or greater than the number of its overall losses, i.e. a record of 6-6 six and six or better, and they allow you to count one FCS game in that. And then where it gets interesting is in uh, the conditions it gives you for eligibility as exceptions, and the second one is, and this is the one I want to quote to you and leave it at that, an institution that participated in 13 regular season contests and finished the season with a record of six wins and seven losses. And so that's the second condition for eligibility. And so I just wanted to make it clear to you and to our listeners, that's what I'm looking at. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fact. It's a regulations thing, and it's out there. And so just, just to make you aware, Coach, that's all that is. Well, thank you for the information. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you, Greg. You know everything. Obviously, I didn't know that. So, um just more really focused on trying to fix this uh, this this losing streak that we're on and and um, yeah we really have to play better to, to get this next one and I uh, just 
it's good to be home. I just felt like we were, we had felt like it was going to be a good game plan, and we were going to execute and then play well today. And then uh, just really upset that it didn't happen. I understand you, and I understand the fans that say let's not talk about the postseason right now. But I just wanted to, to put it out there and just to let people know that there is a regulation, and and if you still wanted to hold that out as as a goal for your guys and get things right and flip it around, that you might still be somewhere where you want to be if if things can flip. And that's the objective now is to get it turned, and hopefully it happens at home, right, against San Jose State. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we just were so much better than this, and uh, that's the frustration, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, that's that's something that we can we can um, know in the, in the background, but right now, I mean, trying to get the second win is something that's been really hard for us this year, and we, and we need to get it, because I believe that if we get things going, it, it'll start rolling. I mean, I just... Uh, I know I don't know any other way of a disappoint, disappointment right now, but to just go to work and figure a way to fix it, you know, and um, uh, that, that's what it comes down to. So I, 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 uh, I mean, after uh, I get over this a little bit, you know, um, we got to go back to work and and uh, figure out a way to uh, entertain our fans and then and make them happy with getting our second win. Coach, uh, first drive, you get the their first drive, you get the turnover with the uh, fumble and uh, get the touchdown out of it. And then in their second possession, it looks like you're going to get the ball back again out there. That was a big change of events for them to be able to hang on to the football in that situation. Yeah, it was just frustrating because we had a sack and uh, our guys didn't get didn't get the quarterback down. He scrambled out and threw it in coverage and. Um, uh, everything that we had set up was working out perfectly. We just need to come down with a sack, and then uh, we're not even talking about that play if we make the make yeah, that big right. play, you know. And uh, credit for them breaking the breaking free and, and scrambling and throwing throwing it up for grabs. But um, just uh, we had that happen a couple of times tonight where we had sacks and they gave up big plays, and that and uh, that's not good enough defensively. Coach, we wish you safe travels back home, and uh, we will talk to you next week as we get ready for San Jose State. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Coach. Coach yeah, Kalani Satake. We'll take a break, and we'll come back and get underway with uh, BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. We're here at ECU in Greenville. Final score, 33-17. Pirates over the Cougs here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, so welcome back to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium here in uh, Greenville, North Carolina. It's BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now presented by the BYU Creamery, BYU Dining in the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. We'll give away ice cream later in the program. We tend to do that every week. Yeah, that'd be good. Greg Grubel and uh, Mark Lyons up top. Uh, Nate Nichols making his way up from the Cougar locker room area. You heard uh, a lot in postgame, BYU players, ECU coach, probably too long with the ECU coach. Sorry about that. But we had to wait for Kalani Satake, and we uh, decided to hear what Coach Montgomery had to say. If you heard too much, my bad. We'll, uh, we'll do better next time with some shorter opposing coach comments. That said, we then uh, got into Coach Kalani Satake. And, uh, Mark, uh, what do you take from everything you have heard here in the last hour of uh, postgame feedback? Well, the disappointment is great, you know, because uh, you just anticipated that this was a game you had to win. It was an opportunity that you could probably uh, play better and play well enough to win this game, uh, even though you've come a long way, uh, travel and everything. uh, But it was still a very great setting for a football game, and uh, you got the score first. All of those things uh, lead up to the idea that – you're going to have a pretty good night, and it turned out to be that it uh, wasn't happening that way, and it's got to be its got to be just a killer, man. You work all week, you get ready, you have this game plan ready, and it, it just doesn't come to fruition. It's pretty disappointing. 
How much are we to take um, from the uh, the late game resurgence or renaissance of the BYU pass game to get to some numbers they hadn't been at uh, for a long, long time? Well, because it appeared as though it was going to be a very limited pass game at the start of the game because it, I have to assume it's the concern of the interceptions and the maybe the inefficiency of the pass game. So when you all of a sudden take the lid off and all of a sudden open it up, the defense changes everything. And now uh, you make a few good throws and you get that confidence back that uh, you've got a guy that can run a route and can, uh, you've got a guy that can get him the football and you make the catch. That's got to give you the confidence that you're going to be able to continue that kind of operation at the start of the football game. So I think that that's a, a very solid positive to see that uh, – the past game turned out to be uh, much more productive in that fourth quarter. And uh, even though I do think that they changed their defenses, they played that five under zone and it was a little bit soft, and they also played man-to-man. And in both of those situations, BYU was successful in reading, identifying what defense they saw, and were still completing passes. So uh, I, I do think that's a positive. It, it opens things up. It gives you the freedom, uh, feeling that uh, you can spread the field and throw the ball. Do you think anything that happened tonight um, would have uh, turned out or transpired differently had uh, the mindset, which was clearly throw throw heavy, uh, 25 throws in the fourth quarter alone, Mm -hmm. if that mindset had uh, percolated or permeated earlier or throughout the game, um, if that had been the plan from the get-go, do you think? Considering how ECU had uh, allowed such a high pass efficiency number, a number of yards coming Mm -hmm. into tonight. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, they also gave up a ton of yards running the football, and so that's why I asked Kalani that, and I really feel that he answered the question. They felt as though their offensive line was going to be big enough to push get openings for the run game, you make first downs, you continue to dominate in that front and push them off the ball. The part that I think uh, created a problem for them is that the linebackers and safeties fill so quickly it took away from some of the positive things that you could have gained in the run game. Then when they figured out how to get those guys out of there, uh, the you know, KJ came in and ran quite effectively. So the, when you start this game plan, you got to stay with it longer than a quarter. You know, you just have to stay with it longer. The game was still close, still tied, 10-10 at halftime. Everything looks as though this is going to work. We're going to break this out. We've reduced their scoring opportunities, and we have a chance to go out and make some plays. So I think that it's very hard to say, man, we should have been throwing the football because we could, even though next week you want to be able to say, yeah, we can throw the football when we have to. It is BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now, hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. You can reach us on Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN, hashtag BYUCNN for Cougar Nation now. You can also reach us on email. It is CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. CougarNationNow, one word, two ends at the end, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. Greg and Mark and Nate talking to you after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, uh, Greg Rubel and Mark Lyons with you up top here at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Nate Mickles should be on his way up here momentarily. We hope to hear from Nate before we're out of time here on the program. If you'd like to join us or give us a thought or two, you can uh, give us a tweet, hashtag BYUCNN, hashtag BYUCNN, or email us uh, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. That's CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. And 
Nate is up here, and we'll join uh, Nate here in just a second. Again, I wasn't trying to uh, uh, throw to uh, Cougar Nation um, a, a, uh, a needless lifeline of hope when I talked about bowl eligibility. I just wanted to clear up misinformation because my presumption uh, coming into tonight had been that once they were uh, – once they uh, – ended up with fewer 6-6 six and six teams or winning teams that were necessary, that a 6-7 and seven team would go into the same mix as a 5-7 and seven team, and that's not the case. And just to, to, to reiterate and clarify, if there aren't enough 6-6 six and six teams, then you go to the other pool uh, for eligibility. And a 6-7 and seven team uh, does go into that pool of eligibility. And, of course, that would mean BYU winning five in a row, and we can debate the uh, merits of that possibility. But I just wanted to clarify, and not in any super hopeful way in this, like I'm saying it's going to happen or this is what you need to shoot for, only that. Once you are out of teams at six and six or better and you are looking for replacement teams, that's when you go to the pool of eligibility into which BYU would find itself if BYU were to finish at six and seven. And that's all the only point I'm making is if they did finish with that record, that is win five in a row, uh, they would be into that secondary pool of eligibility of eligible teams if they don't have enough six and six or better. That's all. Just wanted to clarify that's, since I'd, I'd been saying something. Otherwise. That's a great point. I want to know that. Okay. Well, I'm, I mean, glad, I'm, I'm glad you do. I, again, I I'd just been presuming otherwise, and it was wrong. And so I went to the NCAA postseason eligibility guide, and you can say it's not going to be a point, and I get it. It may not be a practical point or logistical point, but it is a point that the second eligibility factor is uh, institutions that had 13 regular season games and finished the season with six, six wins and seven losses. And then you go two more points down until you get to the, uh, to, to the five and seven teams. And, uh, and, and that's, you know... Uh, it's still a possibility. Yeah. So, anyway. Could happen. It's just hey, uh, Nate. Hey. Give us your wrap-up. Hey, uh, you know, this is unprecedented. And it's unprecedented for you guys. You've been doing this for a long time. It's unprecedented for me. I've been doing this for a little while. And I think for these players, uh, most of these players don't come from losing programs. Yeah. So it, it's unprecedented for the players. It's unprecedented for the coaches. And they're just trying to figure it out. You know, if there were an easy solution, they would have they solved it already. It's tough, and they're trying to figure it out. I do think that's part of the challenge that uh, nobody's kind of been in this situation to know how you do fix this. And so what you're doing is you're just uh, in uncharted territory. And so it is a challenge to figure out uh, what is the right thing to do to make things change. Nate, what was the the vibe uh, you got uh, tonight? And did it feel any different than loss one, two, three, four, five, or six? Felt a little bit different tonight. You know, you go to SEC, Mississippi State, that's a pretty dang athletic team. You know, the record maybe isn't amazing. Uh, You know, you play Utah. Utah's had BYU's number. You play Wisconsin. They're a big, physical, tough team. Yeah. Uh, You've played some good games, and you lose those games, and it hurts. There's a party that thinks, like, well, you know, that's a pretty good team. Tonight, um, ECU sure looked like a good team. They looked like a Man. good team tonight, but you know that if they're one and six, they're not that good. Yeah. And you had a part in making them look good. So tonight, I think, uh, yeah, I, I sensed a. I mean, for as frustrated as they've been, and you feel like you can't get any more frustrated, and then you lose tonight, and it felt like a little more. Thing I liked about them is their receivers go get the ball. And they make catches. That I, I was pretty impressed with their receivers and their skills to be able to catch the football. They did. They had some receivers that could make some plays. Yeah. 
Uh, we have a tweet from Chad Warren, uh, hashtag BYUCNN. How do we reconcile the failure to even attempt to exploit an opponent's glaring weakness past defense until it's too late? And, Mark, I think we kind of touched we on it kind earlier. Of yeah. yeah, and, and BYU, Sorry, Mark, so, just to reiterate, uh, ECU uh, had given up a massive number in both pass efficiency and yards. BYU threw the ball not, uh, 12 times in the first half mm-hmm. and completed 9 of 12 for 61 yards and then went super pass heavy in the second half when the game got a little more. It was kind of a game script issue, but not entirely okay. game script, but there was a lot of it. I mean, BYU, keep in mind, BYU threw four passes in the third quarter and 25 passes in the fourth quarter when they needed to score and score a lot. So game script is a factor. But that said, once they did open it up, yeah. they were finding a little more uh, ground uh, to be gained. Semi-valid. Uh, they're 130th in pass defense, and they're 128th in rush defense. I, it's insignificant. They, they do both. Well, what is significant both. is that they were allowing a pass efficiency of 190, who no one gets to, and that was their average allowed. So it was historically porous relative to pass yeah. defense, and BYU threw it 12 and, times for 61 yards in the first half. And being second worst in rush defense. So and you can also BYU, Yeah, so you, BYU's thinking we've got this big yep. line, we've got this big back, we're going to pound and beat them up. And, and uh, BYU so, averaged 3.3 per carry. Yeah, and so I can say that uh, uh, I understand their logic yeah. uh, because I think BYU is in a conservative, even though Kalani didn't want to admit that, I think they did have a conservative uh, game plan and were uh, thinking we have less fear of screwing up running the football than we do passing the football. And when we go into the attitude with the fear as our motivation of what we're going to do, I think that's the problem. You've got you to gotta have confidence in being able to throw the football. That's the whole yeah. thing. And it is fair to say, following up on Mark's point, that there were throws there to make that weren't made. Either it's a bad throw yeah. or a catch not made. But BYU did attempt to move the chains by throwing the football. And as we said over and over again during the game, it's, it's one simple play that BYU didn't make that uh, allowed drives to, uh, to, to bog down tonight. And that was kind of a consistent thing. And just... Beyond that, there is the, uh, the the belief that once BYU got deep in ECU territory late in the first half, that they were going to play it conservative and at least get a field goal. And so here you are, first and 10 at the ECU 11, and BYU did not put the ball up on any of the next three plays. They were close to the goal line and wanted to play it conservatively, and, and the clock was now yeah. a factor. They weren't throwing it and getting stops on incompletions. They were going to run, run, run. They did it this way. Ula Tolutau. And then Austin Kofensis, and then Ula Tolutau, and uh, they end up kicking a field goal with yeah. two seconds to go and make it a 10-10 game. You're not trailing. You're tied. Yeah. But clearly when they got deep, they wanted to minimize the chance for error and, uh, and, and did not put the ball up once they got to the 11. And I thought we talked about this once, but uh, they could have made a first down. That's my... Uh, On third and one. Yeah, my when, problem when they, when was... They, when they rushed Ula for minus two. They had, a, they had a chance to make a first down. Now, when you're letting the clock run and the clock run and clock run, you're, you're thinking yeah. to yourself... Uh, we want to score so that they don't get any time, you know, at the end of the half. So you're thinking run the clock all the way down. But on the other hand, you make a first down in that situation, even though it is inside the one you would like to be in the end zone, you've got more plays. Here come four more plays for you if you make that first down. And so uh, I do think that uh, possibly you use different time management 
in the idea that if you were able to preserve some of that time, you make that first down inside the one, you get four more downs. Because they had no more downs, they decided to kick it. And that's when Cathensis came in and, yeah. and, you know, a good 30 seconds ticked off the clock. Yeah, where if they, if they would have called the timeout right then, thinking maybe we can get a first down, you've yeah. got two, three more plays. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it was clear at, the, at a point that they were going to really play it safe and give themselves a chance to kick a field goal at worst with no time left on the first half clock, which is exactly what happened. You know, it's so early, sorry, Mark. I was going to say it's so tough because early in the season the the turnovers were crucial, momentum changing, game changing plays, and so you say to yourself, "We are going to eliminate turnovers because we know you got to win the turnover battle and you can't <laughs> turn it over." So then, what do you do? You go conservative, and you yeah. don't throw downfield. You don't throw in the middle. Yeah. And then you can't move the ball, and you can't score points. And so it went freaky because of one game with six turnovers. It was one game that you were outlandish in giving up the football. It was one game that created all of this fear. And when you play with fear again, you just can't play. Uh, I, I felt as though uh, we've made too big of a deal of the fact that uh, those six turnovers in the Utah State game were murderous. But it hasn't been an epidemic, seven of them. It hasn't been an epidemic. It's been one, two, or three in the other games. And so you can't say, oh, my gosh, one game we were awful and losing the football, so we can't ever do anything again. You've got to be able to play the game. So you kick field goal. You're tied 10-10 at halftime. Hey, it's a 30-minute game. Yeah, yeah. So in the, uh, the second half. You and you're thinking the same thing. Virginia Tech was in that same similar situation, just barely down at half. ECU scores on its first possession, three points. Okay, 13-10. BYU's first possession of the second half. And we have to say, the third yeah. quarters for BYU have been brutal. They come out of yeah. the halftime locker room and get nothing, nothing done. 13 points in the third quarter over eight games. And this is how the third quarter starts for BYU. Three and out. Okay, you're second and seven. Now you're sacked in your third and 15. Now you're delay a game, you're third and 20. You do a you would do a concession draw, you punt it away. Okay, that's your first chance to show we're ready to compete here in the second half. It's a short rush, it's a sack, it's a delay, it's a punt. And the right. delay came on 10 men on the field. Okay. They only had 10 men on the field. So the... ECU scores again, but it's only a field goal, still a one-score game. What do you do the next time you get the ball? Well, you end up with a second and 14 after a false start. You make a 46-yard gain on a third and 11. Now, this is the play. You're down to the ECU 28, huge play, next throw, low, needed to complete it to Achille, low incomplete. Second and 10, you rush for four. Third and six. Bad throw behind Hefo, and so on two throws you really could have made and should yeah, have made, simple, you don't, and then you miss a, and then you miss a forty a forty one yard field yeah. goal. Instead yep. of making it yep. a three point yep. game, you've now gotten nothing. And so that's not being conservative. That's not making a simple throw that needed to be made. Next time you get the ball, you're now down nineteen to ten. Another field goal is held, and this time on third and five, again it's a pass that needs to go to an open Jonah tournament that doesn't. It's a miss throw. It's a miscommunication. It's a bad play throwing it. Not a conservative play. It's a throw that you have Tournament. to make. And so I'm bringing up two or three throws that in the course of the game end up changing the game for BYU. And then ultimately the, the killer drive of all is the best drive BYU's had in weeks. Takes BYU 12 plays and 80 yards down to the four-yard line, and you get nothing out of it. And on fourth and goal, they throw a play. They threw a play that, as the receiver told us uh, post game, uh, ECU changed the look, and the play wasn't there that they thought would be there. They threw a screen into traffic at the line of scrimmage. Nothing on that drive. And by then, you're now down 26-10. As soon as Tanner throws a pick, and ECU scores a touchdown, now the game is over. So there were there were handfuls of moments that weren't necessarily related to not playing aggressively enough. It was really plays that were throw plays that you need to make and weren't made. 
and simple stuff. The Hefo one on third down where Hefo hits the zone. It's third and six, and he's in the zone, and he fakes out and comes in, and Tanner throws out. And, and that's just simple stuff that at this point of the season you cannot miss. You're going to make some bad throws. Yeah, you know, he threw at the feet of Akile. You hate that. But every once just in a while sure. a quarterback makes a bad throw. The one that's tough, too, is the fourth down at the goal line. you got to throw the ball in the end zone, even if you complete yeah. the pass. I uh, think what so. have you done, right? You have yeah. to throw the ball in the end zone on I fourth so. down. In fact, I even thought you throw the ball in the end zone earlier. Yeah, sure, there are some other factors that come into it. The, a lot of those yards came in the fourth quarter, defense is soft. Well, but still, to me, you got a lot of problems on the team. And, I, I don't, and I'm not saying they're just putting it on Tanner. Uh, but I think if anybody does, I would say I don't think Tanner's the reason you lost this game. There are a lot of problems on the team. Okay. Now, we, we just finished talking about how there were three or four throws that, had they been made, might have changed the game tonight. Mm-hmm. And those have to go some to the quarterback and some mm-hmm. to the receivers. But, he, you know, again, you see the moments where you go, that's our guy. That's our 4,000-yard guy. That's right. the freshman guy that got you 3,300. That's who he is. But I do believe that at this point, and, again, we talked about how, how likely is it you're going to win out. Well, if you lose to ECU, and you put up only 17 points, can you win another game, let alone five more games? Okay, so let's table the winning out discussion for another time and realize they just need to get one more win at this point. But I should say, and I think, I think it's fair to say, that uh, the approach to this point from this point forward should be really a devil-may-care. And, and what is there to lose but yeah. another game? And, 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 and Sorry, Mark, you, don't, yeah. you do agree or don't agree? I do. That's okay. what, I'm, that's what I thought I'd been talking about. Okay, well, yeah, I'm, this I'm, idea of playing with fear that we're going to screw up, you're going to screw up. If you're afraid you're going to lose, you're going to. And uh, so you've got to come out with the idea we're going to win and we're going to go out and beat them. Okay, you've got a good bruising back, and Ula's proven that he can get you, you know, 10 to 15 when he really breaks one and 4 to 6 when he doesn't, and you can ride that for quite a while. But ultimately, you do have at your disposal a quarterback who's got 4,500-odd-plus yards of throwing uh, to his credit, and he could have been sharper tonight and probably needed to make a few more plays than he made, but mm-hmm. I think at this point, You've got to be BYU again and and uh, and throw it out there and throw it up there. And yeah. the fact that Aleva Hifo did what he did tonight gives you hope. He's had two good games in a row. He's had uh, he's had about uh, 250 yards of receiving over the yeah. last two games. And, and although he'd been a really close-to-the-line of scrimmage guy to this point, he's now getting downfield, and Tanner has found him with good Tanner Mangum throws. And so, yeah. Well, uh, we've talked about that slot receiver work in the middle of the field. Haven't we talked about mm-hmm. the slot receiver yeah. work in the middle yeah. of the field? And there it was tonight. And the, so uh, I didn't talk to Kalani about it. But I did. But text probably, you probably heard him. Yeah, yeah right. It got through. It got through. Eric, Airwaves. A couple of emails and then a couple of tweets, and we'll wrap it up here. Uh, it's past midnight here in Greenville, and for some reason, Mark and I booked an early morning flight. Yeah. Out of Raleigh. Not sure why we did. Why we did that. There's there's a nonstop from Raleigh in the afternoon, and I, for some reason, I just didn't want to wait all day. And mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. In long story short, I don't know why I did that. Well, I want to get home and help with tithing settlement. Well, there you go. Good thoughts. Uh, Eric Jewell emails in. Guys, can you please discuss pace of the offense, particularly when down two possessions in the fourth quarter? Uh, he says, on the drive in the early fourth, there was no urgency. Play clock down to under yeah. five on almost every snap with the clock yeah. running. And BYU had to burn a timeout because of inability to get a playoff on time. Is this yeah. due to not getting play calls in on time, or is it on the QB and the players? That's uh, Eric on the email. 
Yeah, man, I I agree that uh, in the fourth quarter, you commented on a, a couple times that uh, they were getting that play in late and the clock was running way down and they have a little motion and move the back over and so deliberate uh, at the time that I felt as though we've seen them run out of uh, no huddle. Uh, they did run a couple no huddles, but they went back to the huddle when the ball was out of bounds or an incomplete pass. So they'd go back into the huddle. So they weren't losing any clock in those situations, but I felt as though there were a couple times that the clock was still ticking off and it was ticking some other people off. Well, and to me, if you just uh, kind of look at Tanner and you say, when does Tanner shine and when doesn't he shine? Yeah. When he's... And when it's slow and methodical, Tanner doesn't shine when it's hectic and crazy and fast paced. Yeah. Tanner makes stuff happen, and so I think that's it's related to what you're saying about let it loose. I yeah. think with Tanner, Tanner's the guy. This is the guy that the check down was throw it deep, and sometimes <laughs> you throw picks, but sometimes it's a, sometimes and, and, it's a long punt, but yeah. sometimes it's a pi or a completion. Good point that we had guys like these guys uh, from East Carolina. You yeah. throw it out there, and they got to make a play. Yeah, they yeah. go get it. So I think uh, if I mean just uh, I know there's a lot going on in the offense, but to me. Tanner shines when it's hectic and crazy and fast-paced, and uh, I think he tried to play to his strength. Yeah, and at this point, why not, right? Right. What are you going to lose? Except more games, and, and you've already lost seven, and, you know, you, you, you the only glimpse of, uh, of sustained success came when he really it's began when to it's, it when it's hectic. Let me make one more point that related to what you're just talking about. When Tanner's in the pocket and he's got a lot of time and he sees he has to jam one, so he loads up. Right. I mean, he really loads up. He drops the ball down to his hip. He overstrides with his front foot, and he really guns it, just zings it. Well, when you change the uh, timing on your delivery, it changes the accuracy of where you're throwing the football. And so when he's on the move and he's got a hustle, like the touchdown to Micah Simon, holy cow, he, he steps up in the pocket. He sees I'm in trouble. Throws he's off his back foot. On one foot and <laughs> flings it out there and poof, right in stride to Micah Simon. So in the situation where you don't have to load up and really hammer it, you're able to step up and just deliver. You know, you're, you're, re, you're relying on your athletic ability to yeah. make the And throw. even the touchdown to Bushman. I mean, he drops back, feels yeah, the pressure, yeah. shuffles up, shuffles up, shuffle, shuffles deliver. up, zings it in there, yeah. touchdown. Yeah. Let's give uh, our listeners a chance to win a couple half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream, shall we? Oh, that yeah. sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. All right, trivia question. You answer it correctly and you're first in on the Twitter or the email. We'll, give, we'll send you two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream. Aleva Hifo at nine receptions for 148 yards tonight, becoming BYU's first 100-yard receiver in a game since whom? Answer the question correctly, and you'll win two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. Hashtag BYUCNN or email Cougar Nation and now at BYU.edu. You the question. Remember we were talking and you had another thing on, and I told my wife the answer, and now she's not going to be able to get it in. It was a hard question, remember? No, you changed the Oh, you changed the question. Question. Who before Aleva Hifo tonight was BYU's last 100-yard receiver in a game? The correct answer wins ice cream. And to all the BYU fans who somehow believe that I am predicting BYU to go 6-7 and seven and make a bowl, just check yourselves a little bit. I mistakenly said 6-7 and seven was out of the mix. I've now learned, courtesy of the NCAA Bowl Eligibility Guide, that 6-7 and seven can be in the mix if 
there aren't enough six and six or better teams available. That's it. That's all. That's all there is. Okay? <laughs> You've said that. You've said so, that. How did they yeah. miss it? And I've had to say it a few times because the tweets keep on rolling in. Folks, I get it. You're one and seven. Six and seven's a far ways away. I'm correcting a misstatement that I made about six and seven. The reality is six and seven doesn't make you out. Six and seven might get you in if there aren't enough six and six or betters. And in fact, the six and sevens get in ahead of the five and sevens. And we've seen multiple five and sevens go in recent years. All of that said, I'm not predicting six and seven. You got to get two before you get six and they're sitting at one. I get all of that. So relax with the tweets. I understand. And I'm not saying anything other than I was wrong before. Here's the right statement. Just take it and file it away. And if we're talking about it in a month, then so be it. Mm-hmm. Aloha, muchachos. We'll come back with our ice cream winner after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You know, bad night gets worse when you realize that when there's a nonstop out of Raleigh in the afternoon, you, you book an early morning hey, flight through Atlanta in the morning. Let's get bumped. Oh, that's a way of life for Mark. I, I got to credit Mark Lyons and Ralph Sokolowski. They live the bump life to the max. And Nate does it a little bit, too. I never get bumped. I hate being bumped because I like my plans. I'm just obsessive enough that if, if I get off kilter, I, I don't react well. And these guys bump themselves all the time. Bumped into 70,000 Delta miles last week. And that's I yeah. almost got a $1,000 voucher on the next one. It would have been seven, you know, yeah. $1,700 haul in oh, one trip. Man. These guys should all get together and write a book. I got rich by being bumped. Over and over and over and over again. All right, uh, by a matter of seconds, just mere seconds, because so many correct answers came uh, just streaming in when I asked the question. By mere seconds, Lauren Parker, at Parker Lauren, on the Twitter is the winner of our two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream tonight on BYU Creamery Cougar Nation Now. He answered the trivia question, which was before tonight, tonight being when Aleva Hifo had nine grabs for a buck 48, y'all. Who was the last guy before tonight to have a 100-yard receiving game for BYU? And Lauren Parker knew it, and he sent it in just mere seconds before the next correct answer. He said, Mitch, Maddie Matthews Lyons, Maddie Lyons' husband. That's who she said. He said, I sure screwed that up. Maddie Lyons' husband. That's who it was. Mitch, Mitch Matthews. Matthews is his name. That's right. So Mitch Matthews at Utah State back in 2015 <laughs> had BYU's last 100-yard game receiving till tonight, but it's finally happened. So we no longer have to talk about no 200-yard passing games against FBS or no 300-yard passing games yeah. against FBS or no 100-yard receivers. Those things all happen tonight. We yeah. wish we'd be talking about the fact that BYU stopped a six-game losing skid, alas yeah. and lack. Yeah. We can't say that. BYU's now 1-7 and seven somehow and uh, goes home to take on 1-7 and seven San Jose State. So this week... Was one and six versus one and six, and somehow next week is one and seven versus one and seven. Oh boy. But no, but oh boy. Yeah, but that's what you. I mean, look, <laughs> I'm saying great. Well, I mean, I'm not You're saying not, I'm, I'm not saying great. I'm saying this this sucks. Yeah. But those are kind of two different things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm making two things. different. Po- well, I'm making two different points though, right? I mean, look, we've never been here. We don't know what – none of us have ever felt this before. On the other hand, well, Mark has. Mark was on that team. That's right. <laughs> Mark was on the last – Mark was on the last one-and-seven, seven-game yeah. losing Mark team. Mark knows what this hey, feels but we like. we won the eighth game. But if there was a team that you were going to play next week and you wanted to get a win, it would be a one-and-seven team. Yeah, and they aren't as good. They don't have the people like – They're uh, probably not as good as Eastern Carolina. Yeah. 
So so you got a chance. And yep. I would, you know, at this point, you're one in six. You just want to win a dang game. It's and next attitude. week, you got a chance at home to win a dang game. It's all about attitude with those guys. And you are playing at home. They will be at San, will be at Lavelle Edwards Stadium for San Jose State uh, next week. And so, uh, one in seven Cougs, one in seven Spartans. It'll be a one o'clock kick with an eleven a.m. Mountain Time pregame. We won our ninth uh, game next Saturday. So you were one in seven through eight, but in your ninth game you won. Yeah. So then you were two and seven. That's where BYU hopes to be. Yeah. yeah. Next week. I don't even want to talk about the last time BYU was one and eight. Has it ever happened? Do we think? Do we care? The answer is probably no. No. It would right. be fifty-seven. You think it'd go this back that far? This is not going to happen next week. You get the you get the home crowd. You get the players are tired of this. San Jose State saying, "Oh boys, yeah. BYU. We're not going to be BYU. Yeah. We're one in seven. That's right. San BYU Jose won't saying, have the same attitude. Right. BYU saying, yeah, "We got San Jose at home. We got this one." Yep. I, I, I don't really need to or want to address it, but it was nineteen fifty-five. Oh, oh, fifty-five, not fifty-seven. BYU, uh, BYU, yeah, 57 was uh, a winning season, actually, in 57. Was Wayne starting the quarterback, I think? Oh, boy, now he's mentioning names I don't know. Uh, 1955, 50 BYU was 1-1 one and one, and then didn't win again. They finished 1-9. and nine. All right, so. 57 was Wayne starting. 55 was Ron starting. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I remember Ron. All right, so the, uh, you hear the train whistle blowing. Hey. So saying the, uh, good night. The band. Saying good night. It's time to check on out of here. I brought like three jackets and wore none of them tonight. Yeah, oh, what, what a beautiful the... night. I stayed yeah, in my I stayed in my polo shirt the whole night here. It was supposed to be like 50 degrees here tonight, right now. Right now. 58. Beautiful night. Yeah, that's like great. Beautiful night to not so beautiful result. Um, we've probably said enough. Let's check on out of here, shall we? Let's thank all those who made the broadcast possible. Our control board operator in the same time zone as we are tonight in the same state as us tonight is carter malloy mike tingle is our network manager dave shook is our coordinating producer thank you to all of our network affiliates and our flagships byu radio and ksl news radio our thanks to the sports information staffs of byu and ecu and to all the folks that uh, were with us here on this trip to get us and keep us on the air engineer barry squires intern tommy johnson our stats man ralph sokolowski our spotter doug martin Oh, we had uh, Jason Shepard and Terry South in the studio tonight. Uh, Jason Shepard taking us through the pregame, and then Terry South taking us in-game and post-game tonight. So a couple of studio hosts, thanks to Jason and Terry, and Jason to double duty tonight, to having called the women's soccer game against LMU. Did that thing end in a scoreless draw? Yeah, 0-0. Same way as it started. It ended the same way that it started. A 0-0, 110-minute game for BYU and LMU tonight. So the Cougars' uh, WCC title hopes have likely faded into the distance with... uh, uh, zero wins in two games this weekend, and Pepperdine, I think, won two this weekend, so I think they're probably on the way to a WCC title. That said, that's a soccer situation. Our football situation has BYU at 1-7 and seven and home to San Jose State next Saturday, where I will be next to Mark Lyons and with Nate Mickle I'll be and there. the guys. Always good to be on the road with you guys or at home, wherever we are. Isn't it something, Greg, when you think about it? No, we've been doing this together 25 years. We're in our 26th right. season together. 26th season, and... Uh, we haven't missed a game. We've not. We answer the bell every week. Yeah, and there's so many things that could happen that would have yeah. you miss a game. You could die. I, I could get death sick. Death would be one of them, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I haven't had that happen. And uh, I, that's pretty remarkable that, uh, yeah, sometimes we play hurt. 
but uh, you got to get the yeah, job now, done. Now, Nate's a little different. Our tenure with Nate's a little shorter. We've had different sideline guys over the years, but uh, for the most part, Nate answers the it's bell. pretty good run. Yeah, I well, mean, this is a year nine. Yeah. Good run together. But, yeah, yeah, Mark and I have done every game we could have possibly done together for over these long, many years, and, uh, and we get to do it again next week, and I'm blessed for that because I get to work with my good buddies and uh, and there's no better thing than to work with your friends and have your friends be the people you work with. And uh, I think we're all what's, lucky. What's the line? The best friend the guy could ever, ever have? We're the three best friends <laughs> that anyone could have. Yeah. There was a like Zika virus warning. You know, there was a Zika virus warning coming uh, where we were coming here today. I mean, flying in this weekend. So, and that yeah, would be one Zika. of those things that would keep you out of it. Right. We're here. You know, Carter, we talk about Carter a lot, and, and I just want to, I, I just sometimes imagine the percentage of time <laughs> of a broadcast day where Carter just yeah. is just in such major eye roll territory. And he's thinking, these guys are taking this many minutes out of my life. What he's right thinking now. is, they get paid to do this <laughs> somehow. And yeah. uh, we keep fooling them week to week. But hey, we appreciate Carter and all of you for tuning in tonight. And with all of our faults and foibles, you still come back every week and let us uh, go through another game. And we'll do it again next week. And we hope the result is better. And uh, that's uh, all we can do, Hope. Wrap I do and always hope at 1-7. and seven. And so uh, there it is. We'll be with you next Saturday, 11 o'clock pregame, 1 o'clock kick for BYU and San Jose State. So thanks again to everyone and to Cougar Nation for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, my name is Greg Rubel. And this has been BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night and so long from Greenville, North Carolina.